with you. And uh, Pastor said it's been a while, and it, it certainly has. Uh, we have, first time we came to this church was about 25 and a little over years ago. So I came here as a much younger man. And many of you here that we know were much younger at that time too. But uh, the Lord has blessed us over the years. We've been, uh, as we said in the video, we were involved in Guyana for a, a time, started a church there, and we still go back to Guyana. I just uh, just got done the other day renewing my license to practice medicine in Guyana. I've had that for 25 years, too. That made me think, man, I'm getting old. But, uh, but now we go all over the world, and we, we treat patients, and we get the gospel to them. And that's what missions is all about, is getting the gospel to people who otherwise would not hear. And so uh, this church has been a big, big part of that for all these many years. And we certainly appreciate you. Thank you for everything uh, that you have done. And uh, we just, uh, we're just delighted to be back here and kind of share those things with you. Uh, just for a second or two, does anyone have a question about what we do or about how you can join us on a trip? Most of you know what we do, and we've got people from this church that have gone with us, as you saw in the pictures. And uh, they had fun, by the way. Where are you all at? There they are over there. It's fun, isn't it? Okay, so if you don't have a question for me, what's that? Connie brings chocolate. Uh, so I have a question for you. When do you want to go on a trip? Uh, if you stop by our display table out there, you'll find our brochure. It has our website in there in big letters all across the bottom on the inside. You can go on that website and find out a little bit about what's coming up when we get something more coming up. Uh, right now, COVID has us pretty tightly bound, and uh, we, we found that to go to most countries requires at least three COVID tests that all have to be negative. And the worst of it is, if the one you take coming, on, coming back isn't negative, you get to stay in the country for two weeks. So that's a little bit uh, disconcerting. There's one or two countries that will let us in easier than others, but the United States government has said, well, they let you in too easy. Therefore, when you come back, you can't work in the healthcare field until you've quarantined for another two weeks. So it's just... Uh, it, we're, we're really hoping that the vaccines will open a lot of doors and open a lot of countries and we can get back into doing what we like to do. In the meantime, uh, the Lord has put us in a Spanish work that's been starting up down in Wichita where, near where we live. And it's about a half hour drive. But, uh, but we've been dealing with the Spanish work. We started going there just to improve our Spanish. And as things have gone on, we've gotten... Uh, uh, more and more involved in that, so that's that's been a good thing, and uh, that's a great need. Uh, I actually had a director from one of the large uh, mission boards tell me the greatest need in the world today for missions is Spanish-speaking people to start churches in the United States, because that's an unreached group, and it's a huge unreached group. So, anyway, we're we're dealing with that at the main in the meantime. Pray for that. Pray for us in that regard but particularly pray for us that the world would open up 
and uh, let us get back to doing what we'd like to do. Uh, get one of our brochures out there, take it home, put it on your fridge so you can pray for us. If you really, really want to pray for us, put it on your television. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, I want to bring a message this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to uh, the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John. John 21, last chapter there of, the, of uh, John's Gospel. And uh, what, I, what I'm going to do, you say, which verse are you going to look at? I'm going to look at the whole chapter. Uh, you say, yeah, oh, that'll take forever. No, it won't. I'll, I'll try to have you out by half past. Uh, but this, uh, this particular chapter of the Bible used to be the favorite of both of my sons. Whenever I would say, you, read, you want me to read you a Bible story? I'd say, oh, yeah, read us, in the, read us about the disciples going fishing in the Gospel of John. And uh, I kind of have an idea of being honorary boys like they were, what part of this it was that they wanted to hear. But this was always their favorite story, and I read it over and over and over to my sons. So I'm going to read it again this morning, but I want you to think of this as we go through it in relationship to where are you in your relation to the Lord Jesus Christ? Where are you in this thing? So John 21 says, After these things Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the two sons of Zebedee and two other of the disciples. And Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and they were now not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. And Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. And Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon... Son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my lambs. And he saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my sheep. And he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And saith unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. 
And Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily I say unto you, Verily I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which had leaned on his breast at supper, and saith, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? And Peter, seeing him, saith unto Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. And then he then went this saying abroad among the brethren that this disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him that he should not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Let's begin with a word of prayer this morning. Father, I thank you for this passage of Scripture. Thank you for this message. Lord, I pray that you'd give me the words to say. I pray that your hand would be upon me this morning, that you would reach out and touch the hearts of each one that is here. Lord, speak to each heart in a very special way and exactly the way that you should. And Lord, lead us in the direction we should go. Take away anything from me that I should not say. And Lord, I just pray that hearts would be touched. Lord, let us see the importance. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to look at several things in this message. This really is written by John, but it's kind of a story about Peter. And it's a story about a very important night in the life of Peter. You know, sometimes one day in your life makes all the difference. Sometimes there's a day in your life that changes everything. And I believe perhaps this night was the night in the life of Peter that changed everything for his life. And it goes through a series of steps And as we go through this, I want you to think, where am I in this process? And first of all, I want to look at the the disciples that were here. There were seven of them. Seven men, seven familiar men. Listen, that's about a church full of men in some churches. I mean, that's that's a lot of men, seven seven men. You got seven good men and their families. You can build a great church. So here's seven guys, and they're all together, all seven of them. They're all Jesus' disciples, and they all know him well, and they're his good friends, and they walked with him, and they were side by side with him, and they're all out of the Lord's will, and they're all together in it. You know, something amazing. You ever heard that saying, misery loves company? Let me tell you what else loves company. Sin loves company. I mean, anytime you're out of God's will, guess who you're going to hang around? Other people that are out of God's will. Why? Because you feel good when you're with them. So here's this bunch of guys, and they're all out of God's will. And I want to look at several ways they're out of God's will. And the first thing I want you to notice is they're in the wrong place. Look back uh, with me at Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. Keep your finger there in John if you would. But Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, and uh, you see what Jesus says to them there. He says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem, until you be endued with power from on high. So where are the disciples supposed to be at this point? They're supposed to be in Jerusalem. But they're not there. 
The Bible says that they decided they were going fishing, so they entered into a ship immediately. And this is the Sea of Tiberias. Well, the Sea of Tiberias is more than a day's walk from Jerusalem. So they were not in Jerusalem. They were somewhere on the Sea of Tiberias, which is not where Jesus told them to be. I suspect that they were in Capernaum because that's where they spent a lot of their time. I suspect that they were at Peter's house because Peter's mother-in-law had a house in Capernaum where the disciples often stayed. And uh, by the way, it's still there. You can go there today and see it right there on the side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias, is this house. And there's chambers in the bottom of that house where they say that the early believers, maybe as far back as the disciples, had church. So here's Peter, and here's the disciples. They might have even been keeping church. But they weren't where they were supposed to be. They were in the wrong place. They weren't where Jesus told them to be. Then I want you to notice that they followed the wrong leader. They were all there, and Peter said, hey, let's go fishing. Now, there wasn't anything wrong with Peter, but he wasn't leading them in the direction the Lord had for him to go. So they were in the wrong place. They followed the wrong leader. Peter was out of God's will. He was so much a stranger to the Lord that down in verse 7, we see someone had to point out, that's the Lord. They ought to recognize him, but they didn't. So he was not the the one to follow, but they followed him. The next thing I want to notice, and if you don't get anything else this morning, get this. They did the wrong work. They did the wrong work. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with fishing. All right? How many of you in here like to go fishing? Right? Nothing wrong with fishing. Anybody in here make your living fishing? You wouldn't like it so much if you had to make your living at it. But there's not a wrong thing to go fishing, but it wasn't the best thing. It wasn't what the Lord really wanted them to do, and so it didn't have God's blessing. And let me tell you something very important. We often miss the best things in life by doing good things. There's nothing wrong with fishing unless it's not what God has for you. There's nothing wrong with most things that we do unless it's not what God wants you to do. And then you can spend your whole life doing good things and miss out on the best things. They weren't doing what the Lord had for them to do. What did Jesus tell those guys? He said, follow me, and I'll make you the best fisherman there is in Galilee, right? That's not what he said. He said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. See, he wanted something better, not something good. So sometimes be careful that what you're doing, while it may be good, may not be the best. So they, they, were, they were in the wrong place, they followed the wrong leader, they did the wrong work, and then they were depending on the wrong provision. You know what? These guys were professional fishermen. If anybody knew how to fish, they knew how to fish, and they fished all night and they didn't catch a single thing. Now that would be a little bit disappointing, wouldn't it? I remember one time when we were in Guyana, we had a, an all-night fishing night. And all the men and all the boys took two boats and some nets and some fishing poles And we went out and fished all night long. And we threw cast nets. And you know what we caught the whole night? One shrimp. About that long. Miserable. Miserable. And I remember that feeling, and I can just imagine. But we weren't fishermen. We, We were, I was a missionary. The rest of them were farmers and, you know, woodcutters and things like that. 
We weren't fishermen, but still we felt like, man, we really blew it fishing all night long. We didn't catch except one little shrimp. Well, these guys were professional fishermen, and they didn't even catch a shrimp. Why? Because Jesus wasn't blessing them in it. I knew a surgeon one time. Uh, I used to work with him every day, and he was kind of a pompous fellow. And his little daughter went off to church camp and got saved. little 11-year-old girl went off to church camp and got saved. She came home. They got ready to eat. She said, Daddy, we should pray for our food. And he said, well, God didn't put this food on the table. I did because I have a job. And she said, listen, if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have a job. You know what? We ought to, we ought to get that kind of idea in our mind. Everything depends on the Lord. So they were depending on the wrong provision. And listen, what they had done is they'd gone back to the old life. You see, my Bible still says if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And these guys left the new life and went back to the old things. You know what's sad about that? A lot of people do the same thing. A lot of us are in that same situation. Oh, listen, when we first get saved, we're new creatures and everything's new. But then after a while, we just kind of drift back into the old familiar things. So that's the situation they were in. They were in the wrong place, following the wrong leader, doing the wrong work, depending on the wrong provisions, slipped back into the old life, and all of a sudden Jesus showed up. Uh-oh. Busted. So they're out there and they've toiled all night and they look over and they see Jesus on the shore. And all of a sudden they realize instead of depending on ourselves, we've got to depend on Jesus. And right away in just a couple of minutes, Jesus showed them five very important things. So we're going to look at the five things that Jesus showed them. First of all, the first thing Jesus showed them is, I know what you are doing. I'm seeing what you're doing. Look at verse 5. I love this. Don't tell me Jesus doesn't have a sense of humor. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. I can just see it. It's kind of like, Hey, guys, now that you're doing things your way, how's it working out for you? You know, uh, do you have any meat? Uh, bring some of those fish. Well, oops, we haven't caught anything all night. Jesus is saying, Look, I... I know what you've been up to. And uh, I want you to notice something else. And this may, this may be what, uh, what my boys liked about this story there in verse 7. It says, uh, Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and didn't cast himself into the sea. I want you to understand Peter probably wasn't completely naked. In the Bible times, naked just meant that he wasn't properly clothed. Uh, and even if he was, it was dark and he was out in a boat full of men. But what happened right there is Peter realized, you know what? I'm not in a state where I want to meet the Lord. There's something about my state, whether it was his attire or whatever it was, I'm not in a state where I want to meet the Lord. If I met the Lord like this, I'd be ashamed. And Jesus showed up, and as soon as Peter knew it was Jesus, he grabbed his coat. He said, i got to change something. Listen to me very carefully. If there's something in your life 
that you'd have to change if you're standing right in front of Jesus. You better change it this morning because Jesus is here. And he sees you and he knows what you're doing and you're not hiding anything from him. So Peter, he had to put his coat on because there was something about him. He didn't want, to, he didn't want Jesus to see him in that state. If that's you this morning, listen, Jesus knows everything. He knows what you're doing. He knows what's in your mind. If there's something you need to change, you better change it because he's going to show up someday. Just like Peter, you might be embarrassed. So Jesus says, I know what you're doing. Second thing Jesus tells them by his actions, he says, I've got it all under control. I've got it all under control. He says to them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and you shall find. He did that once before, you know. And they cast the net, and now there's so many fish that they can't even pull it in. He said, I've got it under control. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus got all power. He has it under control. You can just imagine somebody in a, a tough situation, and everybody's worrying about what's going to happen and who's going to save us. And Jesus walks out and says, hey, guys, I got this. I'm going to take care of it. Why? Because I got all power. I got it all, man. I don't, you don't have to worry. All power is given unto me. He has power over the winds and the waves and the fish in the sea. And he showed him that. Next thing he showed him, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Look at, uh, look at verse 7. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. You know what? He was recognized by his power. I know some, some people have theorized well, how, how in the world was it the disciples didn't recognize Jesus? You know, and maybe because Jesus didn't look quite like he did before or something like that. And I say, you don't have to read the story very hard to understand what's going on here. There are 200 cubits out in the water in the lake in the dark, and Jesus is standing on the shore. All right, now that's about 100 yards away. You know, I, I can't hardly tell a deer from a coyote in broad daylight at 100 yards without a scope, uh, let alone... Hey, that that guy standing out there in the dark is Jesus. Uh, And the only light lighting him up is a fire of coals. Coals don't make very much light, and it's pretty unreliable anyway. So they didn't recognize the Lord by looking at him, but as soon as he said, cast that net, and they got the fish, wow, all of a sudden, guess what? I recognize the Lord by his power. And uh, so they recognized him. I am the Lord. And so they came in their little boat, and and they came to Jesus. What a blessing. They came to Jesus. And the next thing he told them is, I'm going to provide for you. Verse 9, as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on and bread. They fished all night, didn't catch anything. Jesus had supper for them, all ready to go. And uh, then down in verse 13, uh, Jesus cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. So you know what? They fished all night, didn't get anything. Jesus already had it provided for them before they even realized they were in trouble. And uh, finally, and and this is crazy, Jesus showed them you can do all things that I ask you to do if you do it in my strength. Look at what Jesus said down there in verse 11, or in verse 10. Jesus says, bring up the fish that you have now caught. Now, Now, just a minute ago, we said 153 fish in that net, and the disciples, six of them, couldn't pull it into the boat for the weight of it. Okay? It was 153 great fish. All of you fishermen that are in here, how big is a great fish? I mean, a, a one-pound fish isn't a very great fish, right? Is a three-pound three fish a great fish? Well, it depends on the species. Or maybe a six-pound fish, is that a great fish? All right, how much is 153 six-pound fish going to weigh? 
They couldn't bring it in because it was too heavy. Jesus said, Peter, go get the net. Peter walked down there and drug up the net all by himself. Whoa, could he do that? Not without some help from the Lord. You know what? Jesus sometimes asks us to do things we can't do. In fact, I kind of believe that Jesus won't ask you to do something that's easy for you to do because where's the glory in that? But when he asks you to do something impossible, he gives you the power to do it, and he gets the glory. Listen, Peter drug up that net full of fish. I can just imagine those other disciples. What? How's it? We couldn't all six of us pull it. And here's Peter dragging it up by one hand. I don't think Peter was, you know, a, a weightlifter or anything like that. I think he got the power from the Lord Jesus. So Jesus showed him, you can do all things in my strength. Then the next thing I want you to notice, Jesus gave Peter an assignment. But before he gave him the assignment, the first thing he asked him is, do you love me? Because love is the most important thing. And listen, if you love Jesus, if you really, really love Jesus, nothing else is important. He says, do you love me, Peter, more than these? Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? What was he talking about? Well, maybe he was talking about all those fish that Peter could have sold and been rich. Maybe he was talking about the other disciples. Maybe he was talking about the boats. I don't know what he was talking about. But he said, do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. The good shepherd says, take care of my lambs. Listen, sheep need a keeper. First thing Jesus told Peter a long time before this, he said, be a fisher of men. Now he's saying, feed my sheep. And uh, look real quickly over in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2. Peter says, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. That's what Peter said just a little time later. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then he said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Oh, man, that must have struck Peter's heart. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Look at verse 17, and he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And what does that next little phrase say? It says, Peter was grieved. You know what? Jesus kept asking Peter, do you love me? Until Peter was grieved. See, what happened is Peter looked into his own heart, and he saw what he was really like, and he was grieved. Listen, sometimes we need to look at ourselves and wind up with some grief. Peter kept asking, or Jesus kept asking Peter, do you love me? Until Peter was grieved because it was that grief that made a change in Peter's life. By the way, that's why we have an altar. Old time churches used to call it a mourner's bench. Why? Because people would come and mourn about the sin in their life, soak the altar with tears because they looked into themselves and they were grieved. And they got up and were different than what they were when they came. Peter was grieved and it made a change in his life, and he went out to feed the sheep. Sometimes nothing changes until we're grieved. Well, let's go on. We're getting short on time. Uh, so then Jesus tells Peter what's coming, and by the way, it wasn't real pleasant. And then he says, follow me. And all of a sudden we see Jesus is the Lord and the Master, and Peter's going to follow him. And Peter starts out following Jesus. 
And you can just see there in verse 20 that Peter's walking along right behind Jesus and all of a sudden he, he, he turns around and he sees John behind him. Now Jesus has just given Peter a kind of a not too pleasant prediction. So Peter says, wait a minute, what about this guy? What's going to happen to him? You know what? Each of us has a life to lead. Each of us has a burden to bear. Each of us has a ministry for the Lord. And it's not our place to look at someone else. Look with me real quick back in the book of Numbers chapter 7 and uh, and verse 6. And I'll just read it real quickly. It says, And Moses took the wagons and the oxen and gave them unto the Levites. Two wagons and four oxen gave he to the sons of Gershom according to their service. And four wagons and eight oxen gave he to the sons of Merari according to their service under the hand of Ithamar the son of Aaron the priest. Look at verse 9. But unto the sons of Kohath he gave none because the service of the sanctuary belonging unto them was that they should bear upon their shoulders. Oh, listen, you can just imagine being a son of Kohath. Hey, how come those guys get the wagons? I mean, hey, they're carrying all that stuff in wagons. They got oxen and everything and we're bearing this stuff on our shoulders. How come they got the good stuff? But listen, the sons of Kohath were carrying the holiest of holy things. The sons of Kohath were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They were carrying the golden candlestick. They were carrying all the things that were most holy. They had the greatest job. But you can imagine them looking at somebody else and saying, Hey, how come I got to do all the hard work? Listen, Peter's looking and saying, Hey, what about this guy? We need to take our eyes off of others and just follow what Jesus has for us. The most important thing you can possibly do in your life is to find the course that Jesus has for you and follow it. It's just that simple. Well, let me, let me close this with a challenge. Where do you fit in this story? Where do you fit? You know what? Peter came into this with a couple of problems, didn't he? One night changed Peter's life. And not very long after that, he preached one sermon and 3,000 people got saved. Woo! Doesn't get any better than that. Look at the life of Peter. Look what he did. And it all changed in one night. But where are you in this story? Maybe you say, you know what? Maybe you're out of God's will a little bit. Maybe you're doing good things, but you're not doing the best thing. Maybe you're going to work and doing the things that everybody around you thinks are just great. And you're fitting in right in the church and dressing up nice on Sunday and all of those things. But Jesus has something better that he wants you to do. Maybe you're not where he wants you to be. Maybe you're not doing what he wants you to do. You're just doing ordinary things. Let me ask you, are you fishing for fish or are you fishing for men? There's nothing wrong with fishing for fish unless the Lord tells you to fish for men. Well, what if Jesus showed up right now? Is there something that you'd be embarrassed by? Is there something in your life that you'd want to change? What would you change? And then let me ask you, do you love him? Jesus asked Peter three times, lovest thou me? Lovest thou me, Simon? Listen, do you love him? Do you really love him? Do you love him enough to follow him? Maybe even to the cross? That's the question, do you love him? And then finally, will you follow him? Wherever he leads, will you follow him? Even if he leads someone else a different way than he's leading you, will you keep following him wherever he leads? If you're not where you should be, Peter changed a lot in one night. You can change right now today. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed for just a minute.
No one looking around. I just want to ask you a question. I wonder if there's someone here that would say, you know what, I'm not where I ought to be. God convicted me of that today, and there's some things I need to change. No one looking around. Is there anyone that would raise a hand and say, I'm not where God needed me to be? Amen. Are there others? I'm not exactly. Amen. Amen. Hands everywhere. I'm not exactly where God needed me to be. Listen, you know what changed Peter? He was grieved. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to be grieved. Maybe you need to come and tell the Lord, hey, I'm grieved. I need to change. I love you. Lord, you see my heart. You know I love you, but I'm grieved. Father, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Lord, thank you for those that raised their hand. Lord, I pray that you'd work in a very special way in each heart this morning. Have your will and your way in our lives. Let your Holy Spirit fill this place. Lord, I just pray that when we leave here, we'll say, I've done everything the Lord asked me to do today. Work in our midst, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.